Well, here it is Saturday, and I meant to record this yesterday, but I was inundated with things. My my niece, who lives with us, got her wisdom teeth out yesterday, so that took up a bunch of time. And then I had to go to the tax man yesterday and, uh, you know, go to the accountant and have him figure out all of the stuff. I don't know why the hell I waited until now to do it, because there's really no reason for me to do that. But I waited a really long time uh, to go to the accountant and have him figure out what we're going to be paying this year. And then um, and then we went to go see Shazam, which, you know, I won't spoil anything. It was a fun it was a fun movie. I really enjoyed it. And that's not something you can often say about DC movies. I, and I don't hate the DC movies nearly as much as everybody else does. Um but it was fun. It was a fun movie, and and I'm I, I'd recommend going to see it if you want to have a good laugh. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're here to talk about video games, and uh, this is your show. You know, you guys call in, and then I respond. But I didn't get any calls this week, so I don't have anybody to respond to. But that's okay. I have some opinions that I want to talk about, and the first thing. Uh, is this um, this very interesting tweet from Randy Pitchford. Uh, for those of you who don't know um, Randy Pitchford, he works at Gearbox Software. They make video games, all right? Games like Borderlands, Battleborn, Brothers in Arms, Duke Nukem, Homeworld. Oh, man, Homeworld. I, I played a lot of Homeworld a long time ago, but that's beside the point. Um... He was he was referring to review bombing. And for those of you who are unaware what review bombing is, this is this thing that a lot of angry internet nerds tend to do when they're when they they all get together and they review a game or a movie or something like that poorly. They all give it like one star or something. Not because it's a bad film or a bad game or a bad movie or I guess I film and movie are the same thing or a bad TV show, but more along the lines because they're mad about something else. Uh, maybe it's uh, maybe they're mad because. Oh, how do I want to maybe they're mad because uh, Captain Marvel is a woman or maybe they're mad because Aquaman is not a white dude with blonde hair, or maybe they're angry uh, that some game isn't on their platform of choice. So what they end up doing instead is they go and they review bomb, all get together and give it like a one star, whatever, without watching it, without playing it, without seeing it. Uh, they, They give it bad reviews and that makes the review process kind of worthless and it it gives a game which may be a good game or a movie or whatever it gives it a bad reputation and it's just because people are angry about something that's not really related to the gameplay um i i think that one, one of the things where this has happened would be uh, like diablo 
oh god what's the name of that diablo game that's supposed that's going to be on on mobile um diablo something or other inferno i don't think that's it uh immortal there we go thank you vaxer in chat uh diablo immortal um people were really unhappy that diablo immortal um is a phone game and not like a pc game and i can understand that the diablo series has been a pc game for ages and to have a new game in the franchise come out and not be on the on the platform that you want and have this be the biggest announcement at blizzcon that year i can understand why people were were miffed about that that's understandable but but then they all got together and thumbs down the video on youtube and of course activision blizzard reacted in the worst possible way by deleting the video and uploading it again that just incensed the the uh, angered masses even more, uh, and that didn't solve any problems. But review bombing has become this this huge issue in video games, and anytime somebody doesn't like something about a game, they go and they give it one star, and it's really bad on Steam, and Steam doesn't really do anything about it. Uh, they just kind of ignore it. Steam is... I, I know that Steam is kind of trying to play like this laissez-faire thing, hands-off, just relax and let, let things go the, the way that they want to. Um, but I think that that's the wrong approach. And um, when, when a game is getting um, downvoted or review bombed nonstop, I think at the end of the day, this is, it's bad, not just for that game, it's bad for the industry as a whole, because now when I go to look at a game and I see that it's got a really bad score, I have no idea if that's because the game is bad or because a bunch of whiny crybaby internet people can't handle not everything being for them. And if that offends you, then shut off the podcast and don't listen anymore because I don't want you around. I'm not interested in whiny crybaby uh, morons who think that every single thing that need, that is made needs to be made for them. There's a lot of stuff out there that's made that is not for me and I don't get upset that it's made. I just don't buy it. Vote with your wallet. If you're unhappy about something, vote with your wallet. Now, that that being said, I feel like there are some people who will say, but review bombing has helped at points. And they would give an example like, oh, Lego Lawyer's saying this right now. Do you feel the reviews for Star Wars Battlefront 2 were valid? Uh, that that was the ne- that was the same thing that I was going to talk about. Okay, Star Wars Battlefront Two. When that game was announced, it um like they had lots and lots of uh very very negative feedback from the community, and EA very surprisingly, <laughs> like I couldn't believe that this happened. EA actually listened to the community, and when the game came out. 
they had taken all the microtransactions and said, we're going to put those on hold. We're redesigning them. Okay. So they ended up redesigning the microtransactions so that it was just for cosmetic stuff. But that game still got review bombed and it never recovered. And I have, like you can, if you're watching the video version of this, I have a Star Wars Battlefront 2 PS4 sitting on my desk right here. And I, I got it because that's the, that, that I didn't have a PS4 at the time and it was a really good deal. And I said, what the hell, I'm going to pick one up. There's a lot of games that I'm missing out on. And yeah, I don't know that I really want to support EA, but damn, that PS4 looks cool and it's better than just getting a normal one. So I said, what the hell? I got it. Uh, the first game that I played on it was Star Wars Battlefront 2, and I had an absolute blast with that game. EA made all of the right changes, and they fixed it, but there's no rescuing it because the review bombs stand. Like, those are now, it, it is marked as a horrible game, and that's not fair because it's not a horrible game. It's really, really fun. In fact, I don't think I've ever played a game that felt more like Star Wars than that game did. I felt like I was in Star Wars. Did it hold my attention for very long? No. I played through the single-player campaign, really enjoyed that. The voice acting was great. The story was fantastic. And then I played, a like, I don't know. Uh, I probably have 10 or 15 hours of multiplayer stuff on that game, and I had a lot of fun. I moved on since then to play other stuff, but I had a lot of fun with Star Wars Battlefront 2. And the reviews of that game were almost all horrible. Everybody said what a terrible game it was, and most of these reviews happened before the game came out. They didn't even give EA a chance to fix the problem. Now, some might say the only reason that that game was fixed was because of the review bombs. And I don't think so, because there was a whole lot of backlash on social media. There's no reason to have to review the game poorly unless you've played it and think it's garbage. And that comes to that brings the crux of the argument argument here is the fact that you shouldn't be able to review a game that you haven't played. Steam lets you do this. Amazon lets you do this. You, should, you shouldn't ever be able to review a product that you haven't used. It is ridiculous to me that places like Amazon and Steam and other places will allow you to talk about a product like you know what you're talking about when you could just be some idiot complaining about something, having never used the product at all. And Scott Velasquez, um, at the real Scott underscore Scott T, oh, no, at the real underscore Scott TV on Twitter, uh, was tweeting, he said, not cool at all to misuse the review system like this and shame on Steam games for allowing it. And Randy Pitchford, who I mentioned before, um, works at Gearbox. Uh, he, he is at Duval Magic on Twitter. He said, ironically, that this misuse is possible and that Steam has no interest in correcting this misuse makes me kind of happy about 2K's decision and it makes me want to reconsider Gearbox publishing content, publishing current... I, I'm, I'm screwing up this. 
screwing this up. Blah, I can't even I can't even fix what I'm saying the right way. Um, and makes me kind of happy about 2K's decision and makes me want to reconsider Gearbox Publishing's current posture on the platform. So what does that mean? It means that Gearbox is thinking about pulling away from Steam, thinking about it. Doesn't mean that they're doing it, just means that they're thinking about it. It doesn't take anything to think about something. Uh, but they're thinking about pulling away from Steam because Steam is allowing review bombing to happen. Uh, this tweet uh, was, uh, let's see, April 5th. So that was yesterday. So gosh, I wouldn't even been able to talk about this if I had done the show on time like I was supposed to. Um, he goes on, to, or, or then uh, somebody replies, uh, this would not have happened if there wasn't an exclusivity deal. You, 2K, and whoever is responsible brought it upon themselves, and it's their fault for everyone being off. Okay. Now, let me address this. This is this is somebody, this is the, the typical thing that somebody might say in response to stop review bombing our stuff. So basically, what they're saying is 2K Games is getting review bombed right now because they're not happy with what has happened. They're not happy with a decision that 2K made, and I can't remember the 100% the details, but it probably is to release a game on on uh, Epic's launcher instead of Steam. Now, before I go any further, I want to put this out and make sure that everybody understands. I don't like what Epic Games is doing. Uh, and if you're unaware, Epic Games is taking giant buckets of money and they're saying come and do your your game exclusively on our platform because we'll give you money. And that is very, very uh, tempting to a developer. I can totally understand why a developer would look at that and say, gee, what, what a good idea. And I don't think that that's a good idea myself. I think it's bad for consumers. I think it's bad for the industry. A lot of people are looking at what Epic Games is doing and they're saying, look, Epic Games is trying to break the Steam monopoly. And you're right, Steam has a monopoly right now. And it's not good for Steam to have a monopoly. But what Epic Games is trying to do is they are trying to replace the Steam monopoly with an Epic Games monopoly. That's not good for consumers. That's not what we want. What we want is to be able to have the launcher of our choice and be able to play the game that we want on the launcher of our choice. So if I want to play games on Steam and uh, 2K Games wants to put out a game and I can play it on Steam, you can play it on the Epic Games launcher, somebody else can play it on Origin, somebody else can play it on the Walmart launcher or whatever the hell's happening, I think that that's probably good for everybody. I personally can't stand exclusives and i've talked about this on on this show i've talked about it on my uh show nintendo switchcraft i talked it about i talked about it on run jump stomp before i rebooted the show the way it is now so it's not that i think that epic games is doing the right thing here but the response that people have to this epic games controversy 
is bad. It's bad for the industry and the review bombing has to stop. Now, Randy, Randy Pitchford, and I'm testing out my, my <laughs> I'm, I'm going to test out my, um, my mixer here. It's got a built in bleep button. So I'm going to, I'm going to read what Randy said and I'm going to try and bleep out what I, <laughs> what he says. And if I'm, if, if, I'll, if I'll have to do it in post, if it doesn't work, but people who are here live, I'm sorry if I swear, um, uh, Randy Pitchford replied to that guy, the, the, the TJ guy. And, uh, he said, <laughs> this is a perfect reply, by the way. So I'm going to repeat what TJ said. He said, this would not have happened if there wasn't an exclusivity deal. So they're basically saying we're review bombing you because you made us mad. Okay. And Randy Pitchford, uh, replied, he said, I wouldn't hit you if you didn't deserve it. It's your fault I am hitting you. WTF is wrong with you and this victim blaming bullshit. Kindly off troll. All right. So that's that's what Randy said. And hopefully my chat can let me know if I was swearing a bunch just then or if the beeps worked. <laughs> um, so I think that that's probably the best way that um that randy could have replied he didn't have to have the profanity in there uh but that's probably the best way like that i love what he said there he is he is saying that look you people who are are saying you're like you deserve this you deserve the review bombing no they don't if you don't like what they're doing don't buy their game but Steam needs to do something about this. Steam needs to step in and say, look, unless you have bought the game from Steam, you're not reviewing it on our platform. That needs to be something that happens right now. And if it doesn't happen right now, then Steam is going to start losing developers. And I hope, and trust me, I have a lot of games on Steam. I've got hundreds of games on Steam. I've been on Steam since Half-Life 2. I've been on Steam for a really long time, back when it was just this pain in the rear uh, launcher for Half-Life 2, and everybody was like, why do we have this Steam thing? Well, I've been on Steam for a very long time, and I don't remember the last time I bought a PC game in a box. Oh, actually, I do. I do remember the last time I bought a PC game in the box. It's right there on my shelf. Where is it? It's World of Warcraft. Uh, I was at a educational conference uh five, six hours away and I was driving home and I saw an antique shop and I pulled into the antique shop and I was like, oh, I'm going to find something Snoopy related for my wife because she likes Snoopy stuff. Uh, so I was going through and I found this cool little plastic Snoopy bank from the from like 1950 something. And I was like, 15 bucks, steal, I'll buy it. And then I was walking around seeing if there was anything else. And in there were two boxes, uh, one of World of Warcraft, the original OG game with everything in it, and the Burning Crusade, the first expansion. And, I, and they were five bucks a piece. And I thought, I got to buy those so I can have them on my shelf. Oh, my God. I, I got distracted by shiny things. I'm sorry. Um, but I've got a lot of stuff on Steam. I, I like Steam a lot. I'm a fan of Steam but they need to get their house in order. 
they've been coasting for way too long. And while I think it's great that Epic Games is stepping up and trying to give developers more money, I don't like the exclusivity. But the idea that review bombing a video game because it's on a platform that you don't like, that's not the solution. That's not the solution, even a little. And hopefully, Steam does something about it. Because depending on the idiots on the internet to see the error of their ways, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. We're just going to be sitting here waiting for angry people to not be angry anymore. And you know the internet. Everybody on the internet is waiting to be angry about something. What do you guys think about this review bombing stuff? You know how to get a hold of me. Use the Anchor app, leave a voicemail. I'll play it on the show and respond. All right, let's move on. Oh, the new Atari 7800. We reinvented the video game. You know, before we actually get to the next story, I do want to add something on to that last story. I recently got a review copy of a game on the Epic Games launcher, and that is Operencia. It is this really cool, I tried to stream it, or I tried to record me playing it because, um, or but I couldn't because my, my computer just wasn't up to the task. I've got a uh, NVIDIA 960, which is pretty old. It's, it's definitely showing its age uh, these days. And I wanted to uh, record, but it was just like 15 frames per second when I was doing that because my graphics card just isn't up to the task these days. So uh, I I wasn't able to record anything. But I did want to talk about that game because I've had a lot of fun with it. Uh, So let's talk about Operencia. It is a first-person dungeon crawler of which, like, these things seem to have kind of gotten into my head. You, You know how... Uh, when you first learn a new word and then you're like, oh man, I hear that word all the time now. I feel like that's kind of happening with uh, this first person uh, dungeon crawler genre because I haven't played one like that in ages. Uh, I think the last one I played was Undercroft on iOS and that was a very that was, that was so long ago game's not even available on iOS anymore. Uh, so it was a very, very long time ago. But uh, let's talk about Operencia. Operencia is, uh, like I said, a first-person uh, dungeon crawler, and it is a uh, fantasy-style RPG. Um, I'm also playing a game called Vaporum, which is a uh, steampunk style of the same genre. Uh, but Operencia is fantasy-style. Now, the thing I like most... The thing I like least about most uh, first-person dungeon crawlers is the combat. And the reason I don't like it usually is because it happens in real time and you end up in this weird uh, square dance almost where you've got like a square and, you know, the monster can hit you. So you slide over a square and then you turn and the monster goes and you hit him. And I don't really care for that. Uh, A good example of that would be Legend of Grimrock, which I've been playing... On my on my iPad, which is actually really good on the iPad. I normally I don't like uh, touchscreen gaming, but uh, Legend of Grimrock is is really good 
on the iPad, so I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, but it's got that kind of combat. Operencia does not have that kind of combat. It has turn-based combat, and it's actually pretty cool. Uh, so let me explain. It's just like any other first-person dungeon crawler where you've got to solve puzzles, find the doodad to put into the the, the whiz-bang, and it unlocks the door so that you can go on to the next thing. Lots of puzzles like that. Um, but the thing about Operencia that I like the most is the combat. It's turn-based. Uh, you've got like a turn order on the left hand. I'm sorry, on the left hand side of the screen, and uh, so you can see whose whose turn is coming up next. On the bottom, it's uh, your character's current turn, and they've got a whole row of abilities on the bottom. And depending on what class they are, they've got different abilities. So you, everybody has the um, uh, melee attack, range attack, and guard basically, and then. So that's like one through three. And then the rest of the four through whatever buttons, uh, those are your specialized abilities. So if you're a warrior, you can, you know, taunt and get the enemies to attack you. If you are the the shaman, you can do a heal and, you know, a bunch of that kind of stuff. Uh, nothing typically uh, groundbreaking. It kind of follows the same stereotypes and tropes as most fantasy games, uh, but it's really fun. Uh, the, you, the combat also features uh, combat lines. So, you know, you're the first person mode, and then you've got a, a row of enemies in front of you, and then a row of them uh, behind that set of enemies, and then even further back, you've got another row behind them. And... Some of your abilities do a lot of damage to guys on the front line, and they don't do much damage to people in the back. Some do a lot of damage to people on the back, but they don't do very much damage to people who are up close. And some abilities just don't, doesn't really matter where you target. It's going to do pretty much the same thing. Uh, it, it, this adds a lot of uh, complexity. I don't want to say complexity because that makes it sound bad. It adds a lot of depth. There we go, depth. It adds a lot of depth to the combat. And I am having a, a lot of fun with this game. I'm not very far in. Um, I might sneeze here shortly, so sorry. Uh, I'm not very far in, but I'm having a lot of fun. And if you, I, I think the game is also out on Xbox, but I could be wrong about that. If you are looking for a good uh, first person dungeon crawler, Operencia is definitely one that you should check out, and it's probably my favorite one right now, mainly because of the combat. Uh, I don't feel like I'm fighting the mechanics when I'm playing the game, whereas when I play games like Vaporum or Legends of Grimrock, uh, I feel like I'm butting heads with the way that the controls are designed because I feel like they're designed to be turn-based, but then I have to force them into real-time combat, which can be frustrating. Uh, so Operencia is fantastic, and if you haven't checked it out, make sure that you check it out. This is not an ad for Zen Studios, but they did send me uh, a free copy of the game, uh, but you should definitely check it out. The Atari 2600. Now get up to $30 in rebate offers plus a free Pac-Man. GameStop had an earnings call, and the, 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 the guy in charge said uh, the chief financial officer, Rob Lloyd, said something very interesting. He said, 
With respect to new hardware, as we get closer to the end of our current console cycle for Xbox and PlayStation, we expect demand to decline as some customers choose to wait on the sidelines in anticipation of acquiring the next gen of innovative consoles. Okay. It looks like it's coming. People have been speculating for a while. And maybe he's just speculating, but I mean, he's, as CFO of GameStop, I'm guessing he probably knows what the hell he's talking about. Uh, as much as I dislike GameStop. <laughs> um, oh God, I just realized I'm reading this, excuse me, off of GameSpot. So if at, any, if at any time I'm talking about GameStop that I don't like, that's the one that I don't like. GameSpot, I have no problem with. Although... Sometimes they go to their website, they have auto-playing video, and that ticks me off. Maybe I should review bomb them. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Um, but people have been asking for a while, when is the next Xbox and PlayStation going to come? And it could be sooner rather than later. And I'm guessing, well, first off, PlayStation, or PlayStation, Sony is not going to be at E3 this year. That doesn't mean that they won't be showing us a video or something or releasing something. You know, like they might be doing their own thing. They're just not going to be at E3. That doesn't mean that at right around the time of E3 that they're not going to be announcing something. They might be doing the same kind of thing that Nintendo's doing. Although Nintendo's at E3. Nintendo's got the treehouse going on. They just don't do a press conference anymore. I'm, I'm trying to think of somebody else who has completely abandoned E3, uh, like Sony has, but Sony has abandoned E3 and they're moving on. They're going to start doing their own stuff. And I think that it makes a lot of sense. E3 is certainly as somebody who follows the game industry very, very closely is very exciting time of year for me. Like I get excited about E3, but, uh, like, does it make sense for these big companies to be there? I don't know that it does because they can just make their own announcements. Nintendo has proven that the Nintendo Direct method works. Xbox is doing their O's, their, their O's, their own. Um, Sony has their state of play that they just did, which was kind of boring. Like they're still not as good at it as Nintendo, but that's not fair because Nintendo has been doing this for a long time now. I, uh, Fisto in chat says, I think Sony might announce the new console at the Game Awards. The Game Awards would be at the end of the year, right? Like, that's in December, isn't it? I think they're going to announce sooner than that. That doesn't mean that it's going to come out sooner than that. But I think they're going to announce the PS5 or whatever the hell it is that they're going to call it. Well, I, I don't know why I said that. Xbox is the one that that has their weird nomenclature with the with, with the numbers that don't make sense. Um, PlayStation has the most generic and predictable uh, way of naming their game or their their game system. PlayStation, PlayStation Two. You know, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but the the PlayStation Five. Uh, I think that is probably going to be announced around E3 time. Does it mean it's going to be announced when everybody else is doing E3 stuff? I don't think so. I think if I were if I were Sony and I were sitting in that boardroom and I wanted to be the one that gets thrown out the window for giving the good idea, you guys know what meme I'm talking about, right? Um, if I wanted to be that guy, 
I would probably say wait wait until uh, they're all done with all of their announcements and then make the announcement right then to eat into everybody else's uh, <laughs> news cycle. Like, that's what I would do if I were Sony. And Sony, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that they would do too, I think. They're very, very sneaky. They're snarky. Uh, for instance, when... I mean, you go back to, I don't know, even know if it was E3 at the time. It might have just been CES, the Com Consumer Electronics Show, back when that was also where the video game stuff happened. Um, I think that Sega was up on stage, and they were talking about their price of of the Dreamcast, or maybe it was the Saturn. I can't remember the generations, because Sega had so many things. But they were announcing uh, something, and then... Oh, God, I can't... Uh, Steve Race, who was brought in to lead PlayStation, he gets up on stage uh, at the at the Sony press conference, and he goes... Uh, well, he was introduced to Steve Race, and he goes up on stage, and he just... He kind of gets he gets the mic, and he gets right, right down close to the mic, and he says, uh, just the price. And it was a really low price. And I don't know if this was on purpose. Like, I don't know if they heard what... Sega was doing and said, hey, can we make this cheaper? Because if we can make this cheaper, we can nail it. And then they changed it or like called an audible or if they were always planning to do it that way. I don't know. Uh, but that's the kind of thing that I feel like Sony does. Uh, you look at, again, in hindsight, it's hard to tell if Sony did this in response to Xbox or not. But if you look back at, what's the word I'm looking uh, at, at, at? There was an E3 when the Xbox One was announced. I think the PS5 was announced in that same one. And um, Xbox was like, we're going to call it the Xbox One because it's the one box that you want to have under your TV. It's going to be your cable box. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. It's going to be all of these things. And it comes with um, uh, the connect, whether you want it to or not. And if you don't want those things, then too bad. And it has to be connected to the internet. And if you don't want that, then go buy an Xbox 360. And you can't share your games with it. And then Sony said, uh, all those things, like they went up on stage because they went after and they said, all those things that you don't like about what they just said, you don't have to worry about it with PlayStation. And that's kind of why PlayStation 4 cleaned up this generation. So I think it makes sense for Sony to make this announcement right after E3. Everybody is start starting to talk about all of the announcement. Who won E3 this year? And they're all talking about it. Sony says, uh, oh, by the way... Um, Go to our Twitch page and watch this announcement. Makes a lot of sense. What would Microsoft do? Like, the way that Sony has been behaving this console generation with their lack of cross-play has been very, very frustrating to me. Um, enough so that I, like, I regret buying a PS4. I wish that I had purchased an Xbox One instead, only because of the the crossplay stuff. Like that's the one thing about the PlayStation that that has been ticking me off is that they are having their Icarus moment where they're flying too close to the sun. They're the 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 big dog, 
and they're just kind of crapping on everybody. And I think it's not cool. It's not cool at all. I don't like what they're doing. And it makes me think that maybe next time around, I'm going to be going with Xbox as my console of choice. If I even have a console. And speaking of that, right now, I may just end up going Stadia. Uh, for those of you don't, who don't know, I have another podcast called StadiaCast. It's all about Google Stadia. It's me and Lloyd, and we talk about Stadia. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. I want to talk about these consoles. I don't know what Microsoft would do. Microsoft, in the past year and a half or so, maybe two years, has been really doubling down on getting talent. Like, they have been spending buckets of cash bringing developers in and saying, all right, you guys, now you're a Microsoft developer. Now this team is a Microsoft developer, and this team is a Microsoft developer. And they've not been shy about letting those developers bring their games to other platforms. Microsoft brought Minecraft to all platforms. Uh, it's on the Nintendo Switch. That Switch release happened after Microsoft bought Mojang, or Mojang, I don't know how to say it. Um, the developers that made Cuphead, they were approached by Microsoft. Microsoft is the publisher of Cuphead. It is a Microsoft exclusive. You can only get it on Windows and Xbox. But Microsoft went to that, de that developer and said, hey, we want you to port this to Switch. As the publisher, they will get money from those sales. It makes perfect sense. But there's there far too often people in this industry, they get myopic about what makes the most sense. And they, they focus solely on what's going to make us the winner. And it's not about being the winner. It's about making money. And they're going to make a lot of money with Cuphead sales because they're the damn publisher. So Microsoft's been making a lot of really good moves uh, this this generation, would they be making these really good moves had they not taken one on the chin this gen? I don't think so. I think that they would be doing exactly what Sony's doing now, and Sony would be doing exactly what Microsoft's doing right now. And that would be bad for, uh, like, that would just flip the playing field. The, the games, everything would be exactly the same. It, we would just have a different bad guy. Uh, and that, that seems to be what happens. Um... Ace Matrix in chat says Microsoft's Twitter called out PlayStation about crossplay a few months back. They have. Um, it's ridiculous. PlayStation's being stupid about this. But that's that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about new consoles. I don't know what Microsoft's going to do, but I'm I, I await with bated breath. I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh Mikey be playing, thank you very much for the 13 months of subscribing. I appreciate it, man. Hats off to you. Secret salute. Um, the thing that I'm going to be paying close attention to at these announcements, whenever these new consoles come is crossplay, because I don't care how many gigaflops, uh, teraflops, how many, uh, whiz bangs your console has. I want to be able to play with my friends and I don't want to have to worry about what platform that they have. I don't want to have to sit down with everybody in the nerd nest on discord and say, Hey everybody, what do you guys think we should do? Should we all go with Xbox or should we all go with PlayStation so that we all can all play games together? Because there's far too often during this generation where people are like playing a game 
and they're like, hey, let's play. Oh, we, we can't play. Why? Well, because you're on Xbox and I'm on P PlayStation. Sorry. So that's what I'm really most interested in. And Vaxxer says that in chat says that I was just doing a Kermit impression. Was I? Ah, I guess I was. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Uh, anyway, I'm curious as to what you all think uh, about this topic. And uh, I think that that's where, where we are going to end this episode of Run, Jump, Stomp. Thank you guys for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.